everybody. I want to say good morning to those watching in the course. I'm so grateful we get to open God's Word together. And if I look really fired up right now, it's because we just heard some incredible music here in the worship center. That was awesome. And you know, one of the things I love about what God's doing at Kingsland is the worship is happening in the courts today, in the worship center. The Lord has been so good to us. Man, that's awesome. I have a question for you as we get started today. If you could experience transformation in one area of your life, what would that be? Would it be your bank account? Would it be your physique? Would it be your home? Would it be your marriage? Would it be your children? Would it be your community or your nation? Well, I am glad to tell you today that the Lord is in the business of transformation. In fact, we've been praying uh, as a church that God would bring transformation to 1,000,007 homes by the power of the gospel. And I believe he's able to do that. Do you? But it's worth asking the question then, what is transformation and how in the world can we experience that kind of transformation? Well, I want to share with you a passage in God's word that gives us a glimpse of incredible transformation and how that takes place. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18? We were there last week, you might recall, but today we're going to be in verses 35 through 43 together. Would you find that? Now, incidentally, if you, uh, if you look through the Harmony of the Gospels, this same account is also in Matthew and Mark. In Matthew, it mentions there are actually two blind men on the side of the road who are healed. And in Mark and Luke, it only mentions one. And some people have tried to say, well, that shows a contradiction in the Scripture. No, it doesn't. Um, it turns out every time there's two, there's always one. You know, have you ever noticed that? And so... So they'd mention one who's obviously more vocal. There are probably some other blind individuals around, but Mark actually names the guy. He's Bartimaeus, and so perhaps he's known around that area in Jericho. He's the one who cries out to Jesus. And because of that, we read this story of transformation in the passage here. We love transformation, but sometimes it's hard. Have you ever noticed that? I heard a story about a husband and wife who went to a doctor visit because the husband had not been feeling well, went and had some testing done, and they went back to hear the results. When they went in to meet with the doctor, he actually said something interesting. He said, uh, I want the guy to go sit in the waiting room. Ma'am, I just want to talk to you for a minute. And so she said, okay. So he went out in the, doc- the waiting room. He closed the door, and he said, the reason I want to talk to you is because your husband's very ill. He has a significant heart condition, and his life really rests in your hands. In fact, the only way he survives is if he experiences a stress-free life. I'm going to need you to serve him any way he needs to be served. Serve him whatever delicious meals he asks for. If you get into an argument, doesn't matter if he's right or wrong, you just need to say yes, dear, and follow after whatever he says. It's going to be up to you. She said, thank you, doctor. They left. They're in the car driving home, and the guy says, what in the world was that about? She said, honey, I don't know how to tell you this. But the doctor said, you're going to (laughs) die. See, we all want transformation, right? Well, not that bad. Isn't it good to know that the scripture gives us a recipe to experience real life transformation that really can change everything? And it's right here. Can I share one of my favorite passages in the Bible with you? You look on as I read beginning in verse 35. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. 
Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those in front told him to keep quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. When he came closer, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Receive your sight, Jesus told him. Your faith has saved you. Instantly he could see and he began to follow him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Isn't that an incredible account of transformation right here in God's word? Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to give his life on the cross. And here he encounters this man and everything changes about his life. But do you know, it not only tells an incredible story of how someone is transformed, I believe this blind man gives us four secrets that are always involved in transformation. Can I share those with you for a few minutes today? I want you to notice this first secret. You want to experience transformation in your life in some area? Here's the first secret. You have to seize your opportunity. It's interesting that he asks who's coming and, and when it happened, this man spoke out. And you think about it, he probably sat on that corner every day, and yet he's ready when it happens. And even though it was an odd thing to do, he knew that he had a window of opportunity to be with Jesus, and he wasn't going to miss it. You know what's really interesting? Look what he cried versus what they said. He said, who's coming by? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. They just mentioned where he's from. That's not what he cried. He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, everyone familiar with the Old Testament, everyone familiar with the scriptures at that time would have known that the son of David was a very clear reference to Messiah. Now, how in the world did this blind man know that this wasn't just Jesus of Nazareth, this was Jesus' son of David? Well, I have a guess. He's sitting at this corner every day. He's listening to people talk that are coming in and out of town. He's hearing all the, the news that comes forth. You know by this time everybody's talking about Jesus. In fact, that's why the crowds have come to catch a glimpse of him here in Jericho. They want to see him. He's heard the accounts of this incredible teaching that he gives. And he's heard the accounts of the miracles. He's probably heard about the healing of the blind. If he knows about the son of David, I wonder if this blind man hadn't made his way over to the synagogue in Jericho and heard some of those messianic passages speaking about the Messiah who was coming, about the son of David. Maybe something like Isaiah 42 verse 1 that says, it makes it clear speaking to the coming Messiah, this is my servant, I strengthen him, this is my chosen one, I delight in him, I have put my spirit on him, he will bring justice to the nations. And then in that same passage down in verses 6 through 7, it indicates how we're going to know that Messiah has come. I'm the Lord, I have called you for a righteous purchase, purpose, and I will hold you by your hand. I will watch over you, and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations in order to open blind eyes. Now, clearly he's speaking of something uh, more deep and spiritual when it talks about opening spiritual blind eyes. But this man also has heard the accounts of the miracles that have taken place and the blind that have been healed. And I wonder whether he thought, well, I'll tell you what. If this man ever passes my way, I'm not missing my opportunity. I'm going to seize it. And when it happened, he knew that this opportunity was a gift from God. How many times are there opportunities for the believer in everyday life that God provides? Just all the time. 
And I wonder how many times we miss them because we're not looking with those eternal eyes at what the Lord is doing. And when we look, God will work. Sometimes those happen in crisis, incidentally. Have you ever noticed that? One of the things I love about our church is so many times through their history, long before I arrived, when there's crisis, uh, this church has run to the crisis with uh, the love of Jesus to share help and hope to other people who are hurting. I love that. But it doesn't always happen in crisis. Sometimes I think about Hurricane Harvey and some of the, the, the support that happened. But then I think about things like the North Katy campus and the investment that you have made because thousands of young families are being brought to this area in, in that locale, and we want to see homes transformed. I think about the, the Garcia building, the Omar and Cheryl Garcia building across the street. That was a strip center that we purchased for the sake now of reaching many with tremendous needs. And so every day in the Kingsland Community Center, there are people who are served in Jesus' name because God has given us an opportunity. And I look around at the opportunity God's bringing us right now. And I'll, I have to tell you, I'm praying and seeking the Lord about what's next because the Lord's brought the nations to our doorstep, and he keeps bringing, us, bringing them in this building, and I'm so grateful. But I wonder, are we prepared for the opportunity that God is bringing us? I don't know what that means right now, but I think we need to be praying and preparing that when God brings an opportunity, we'd be ready to seize that opportunity. The same thing is true in your life. What opportunity is God bringing to you today? Are you ready? Because here's what I know. Opportunities always have an expiration date. Have you ever noticed that? They always have an expiration date. This man knew that Jesus might not pass this way again, and we know that that's true, and he didn't miss the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunities that God provides for you. Seize your opportunity. Can I tell you another secret of transformation? Get desperate. Get desperate. That one's not quite as exciting, is it, as the other But it's true. Notice when he cried out to Jesus, he said, Jesus, son of David, what? Have mercy on me. He recognized that he had a desperate need that he couldn't meet. He knew that he didn't deserve to cry out as a sinful man. He calls out for mercy. There's something about a desperate heart that does a great work. And you know what the truth is? Change rarely happens in the midst of contentment. Have you ever noticed that? Very rarely do we say, I think everything's just great. Maybe I'll make a change. (laughs) Oh, it's out of pain. It's out of strife. It's out of desperation. And the reality is he wasn't the only one desperate on that street corner that day, but he was the only one who recognized how desperate he needed the Lord, and he cried out. You know what I think is really interesting about this particular account, and really all through the Gospels? It's the way Jesus works. He takes the greatest weakness of a person, and he turns it into a strength. Have you noticed that? Jesus looks for the one who's considered the lowest by the world, and he lifts him up. He takes people like us. He loves the forgotten. When, when there's a desperate heart, it's like moldable clay to God. Do you see? I, I noticed something reading this passage this week that I've just never seen before or thought about. We don't know whether this man was blind from birth, but there's a really strong possibility he'd never seen before. Do you know that the first sight that he saw in his life was the face of the Lord Jesus. And then I thought about, isn't that just like God? One of the things I love about our church is how God has brought so many friends to us with disabilities. In fact, in the uh, 930 service in the courts, the Lord has blessed us with a hearing impaired ministry just over the last year. This is incredible. So there's sign language happening during the service in real time. Some of those who are hearing impaired here have never heard in their lives. 
And do you know if the Lord doesn't heal them here, for some of them, the first words they're going to hear are the words of Jesus? Some of you know that our little girl uh, is nonverbal. We've never had a conversation with Lily. Do you know if the Lord does not heal her here, the first words out of her mouth are going to be praise to the Lord in his presence. Man, that's the God we serve. That's what happens when we acknowledge our desperation and we come to the Lord. He loves meeting the needs of the desperate. You want to see transformation in your life? Get desperate. I want to show you another secret of transformation here. Break up with the crowd. Seize your opportunity, get desperate. Break up with the crowd. Most of the time, pursuing transformation is going to take commitment. It's going to take difficulty. And you're going to have to go against the grain. Now, I wonder if anybody here watches HGTV or one of the other shows that are the, the channels that all they do is like repair houses all day. I watch those. Lana likes those. So I watch them with her on one condition. I mean, I think it's cool, but it's basically the same plot in every show. There's going to be an old dilapidated house or barn or something that they're going to convert to a house. And so what they do is they go in and they put some shiplap in and they paint a wall and they put new flooring in. It's like, then they walk through. Oh, it's amazing. But that's not all. Somewhere in the course of the show, there's going to be an unexpected problem. We didn't know there was a plumbing leak. Oh, no. We didn't know the, the floors were rotten. This is terrible. And so they're going to go in and they're going to have to fix something new. There's probably going to be some family strife that they have to deal with. So the spouses are going to go at each other and that's going to add to the plot as well. And then they're going to get to the end and they're going to repair it. So I've told Lana, we're going to watch it. That's fine. But we're going to record the show and we're going to watch the last five minutes. You got five minutes for me. Because I know the rest of the story. Like, who, you know, I know how this goes. So we literally, we, we might watch 10 in a night and we just fast forward to the last five minutes. I know the plumbing leaked and I know that it was bad. And all I want to see, we're just going to walk through and see the before and the after. It's so great. I like that. I love transformation. I just want to fast forward to the transformation. I'm not interested in your problems. Don't tell me about the labor pain. Show me the baby, man. Thank you for laughing at that. The last service, the women got really mad at me. It's just an expression. Here's what I know. Something separated this man. You know what's fascinating about this account? The crowd, and when he says, who's there? Well, there's a crowd because Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. What's the crowd there for? They're there for the same reason he is, to see Jesus. Isn't that interesting? They have come because they've learned about him or they're following him in some way. They're intrigued by him, and they're just not that excited, right? And so, um, but they've come, and then he cries out, and who gets mad at him? The same people that came to see Jesus. Isn't that strange? I think there's a couple reasons why that's true. Number one, if you look at the narrative we've been looking at all through the gospel of Luke in, in, in chapter 18 specifically, what do you have? You have a juxtaposition over and over of the weak and the strong and the irony that the ones who are weak, that maybe they push away, let the children come to me, he says. He brings them in. The ones who you think, oh, they're fully qualified, he pushes away. Oh, the prideful, rich young ruler. And so we get to this place, and I think there's a part of the narrative where they're just looking going, that guy's not qualified. Tell him to shut up. I mean, that's basically what they say. He cries out and says, they told him to be quiet. They're like, he doesn't need to do that. Don't you understand? 
that others of us are far more worthy to be hanging with Jesus than that dude? I think that's part of it, but I think there's another part because I've seen it so many times, and you have too. They wanted to see Jesus, but not that bad. And when he cried out in desperation, it exposed their casual lifestyle toward Jesus. Do you see? You ever watch golf? I was corrected earlier that golf is really exciting now, and forgive me, but most of the time you turn it on, you have not that exciting. I mean, the fans are like, that's nice, nice putt. I know, maybe they yell, and I don't, get, don't, don't email me, but I mean, the, the idea is the golf clappers. When I say golf clap, you know what I mean, right? I think that's what most of these people are doing in Jericho. They're golf clappers for Jesus. Like, it's really cool to see them. Jesus. Maybe they're chanting, Jesus, Jesus. That's nice. And this dude in the back says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they're like, what is going on? Dude, sit down, shut your mouth. And what does it say he does? It says he began to cry out all the more. Why? Because he's not interested in any of these people. That's not his audience. He has an audience of one, do you see? And he's not worried about the crowd. If you want to experience transformation in your life, most of the time, you're going to have to ignore the crowd. You know what I've found? Doers make talkers really uncomfortable. Students, you face so much pressure to move in a certain direction. And if you're going to follow Jesus... You're going to have to go this way while a lot of other people are going this way. And I think that's true all across the world in our culture today. Hey, men, can I talk to you for a second? This Thursday evening, we have a men's gathering in the courts at 6.30. We'll have some dinner. Pastor Omar Garcia is going to share some of his story from Bangladesh. And I'm going to team up with him and share a message that's on my heart about this very thing. What does it mean to be a countercultural man today? Maybe harder than ever. Guys, if we're going to be all that God's called us to be, we're going to have to break up with the crowd, do you see? It's exactly what we see took place here. But listen, if we're going to do that, we can get ready for some transformation. In fact, can I show you something fascinating? Fast forward to the end, verse 43, and it says something interesting. It says, when he was healed, do you see, uh, when he began to see, he praised the Lord. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, you do that too. Yes, he's so excited. What's kind of funny, though, is it says all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Who are all the people? The golf clappers. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just like, shh, be quiet. And Jesus brings them over and says, uh, what do you want me to do? And this happens, this miracle. And they say, yes! They start praising God. Unrestrained, they begin to be transformed. And here's what's really cool. If the man or woman of God is willing to break up with the crowd and say, I'd rather have transformation in my home, in my life, in my heart, and I don't really care if I take opposition over that, you know what starts to happen when God works in your life? Transformation is contagious. And God begins to bring transformation to your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers and your fellow students and everybody else. Do you see, that's what God does. You want to experience transformation in your life? You're going to have to seize the opportunity. You're going to have to get desperate. You're going to have to break up with the crowd. But I think there's one more secret. Maybe the most important. You're going to have to ask God for great things. Look back at verses 40 and 41 with me. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. When he came closer, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. 
In fact, if you look at what Jesus is doing here, there's almost an air of service there. I think it's really interesting if you imagine this incredible paradox is taking place. This is the king of kings approaching a blind man, a beggar, and he's not just in a formal setting. Sometimes we get this idea. He, I don't think he's 10 feet away saying, what is it you want me to do for you? I think Jesus gets down on his level where he can feel his breath. And he says, what is it you want me to do for you? He almost sounds like a waiter, doesn't he? The king of kings is serving the beggar. That's the God that we serve. Isn't that cool? Now, maybe you might wonder, why does Jesus even ask the question? What do you think he wants, Jesus? But this is how God works in our lives. The king of kings is inviting us, the beggars, to ask. But here's how we need to ask. We need to learn from this man. First of all, he asks specifically. You see that? Lord, I want to see. I think we fall into the trap sometimes of very general, lazy prayers. God, bless all the people in China. Lord, bless the missionaries. God, would you just take care of my family? And I wonder sometimes if the Lord's saying, what exactly do you want me to do with the people in China? Would you tell me? Um, which missionary? What do you want to see happen in your family? We need to get specific in our prayers. One of the things I love about this particular prayer emphasis that we're in right now, Awake in West Houston, I hope you have a card. If you don't, grab one and start to pray specifically for seven households. Is the Lord will start to lay on your heart specific things that they need. God, I pray for this family because I know their adult daughter is facing addiction. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you bring transformation in her life, bring healing to that home. God, would you do that? That's a very specific prayer that we can pray. We, we began the year with our, our brochure for our, our, our highlight booklet for uh, our missions emphasis, every home, every nation covered in prayer. This is not a brochure. This is a prayer guide. And the whole point is that you can look through at our mission partners and our mission activities right here at home, and you can find specific needs that are taking place. I'm on this page for International People Groups Ministry that's happening here at Kingsland. And one of the prayers, pray for our volunteers and community group leaders to have open doors for gospel conversations. That's a specific prayer I can pray. When we want to see God move, we want to see transformation, pray specifically. But I don't think that's all. This man also teaches us when we're praying for transformation, we not only pray specific bold prayers, we pray bold, bold, bold prayers. I mean, he asked for it all, didn't he? Can I give you an alternate ending to this story? It sounds ridiculous until we realize that sometimes we do the same thing. Let's just say Jesus commands that this man be brought to him, and he comes to him, and he says, what is it you want me to do for you? And the man says, oh, my gosh, I'm in the presence of the king. I know this is Messiah. I, I know I'm not worthy, and I also am a little bit despairing. I sit here every day. Maybe I just need to dial it down. Jesus, I sit here every day. If you just provide some cushioning for me rather than sitting on this hard surface, that would be so great. Lord, a lot of times people give me their crusts and moldy stuff or their rotten food scraps for me to eat. I'm a beggar. If I could just have nutritious meals, that would be so nice. That's not what he does. He aims for the top and he says, Lord, I want to see. You know what I've found? You seldom get more than you ask for. And sometimes I think God has given us mountain-moving prayers or mountain-moving power, and we tend to pray anthill prayers, don't we? I wonder how many times God says, is that all? That's what you think of me when you pray? The Lord's invited us to pray great things. 
God is in the business of transformation. Do you know that? Two of my favorite words in Scripture show up in verse 40. Two of my favorite words in all of Scripture. Because it says this blind beggar cries out to Jesus. They tell him to be quiet. He cries out all the more. And it says this. Jesus stopped. Isn't that awesome? If ever Jesus had an excuse to not stop, it would be on his way to the cross. There's lots to do, but Jesus stopped. May I tell you something? If you come to Jesus desiring transformation in your life, Jesus will stop. There's some within the sound of my voice who've never trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. And listen, I want you to know, if you'll come to him today, if you'll recognize the opportunity for new life, for forgiveness, Jesus will stop. Some of you right now are thinking, Pastor, you don't know what my marriage is like. I'd love some transformation. Let me tell you something. You come to Jesus with a desperate heart, Jesus will stop. You're crying out for your kids. God, would you do a work? You're saying, Pastor, it's just too late for that now for me. If you will cry out, I don't know what's going to happen. But Jesus will stop because that's the God we serve. Would you bow with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you with desperate hearts. Whether we recognize it or not, we have desperate hearts. And we long to see transformation. God, I pray especially for the man or woman who is here today or listening today who has not trusted you as Savior and Lord. I pray of all days that this would be the day that everything changes, that they bow to you and receive you as Savior and Lord. God, I pray for every person here who needs a transformation in their lives, in their homes. God, every person here, I know, needs a transformation in their nation, in their community. Thank you, God, that you are a transforming God. Would you do that today? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Pastor Ryan Rush here, and I just want to thank you for being with us at Kingsland Online today. What an honor. But I'll tell you what would be even better. We'd love to see you get connected with the physical church in the days ahead, if you haven't already. And that means maybe if you're local in the West Houston area, we'd love to see you at Kingsland. Otherwise, regardless, we'd love to help you facilitate uh, jumping into a local church near you, and we can do that together. You can go to kingsland.org slash online connect. kingsland.org slash online connect to find out next steps on your journey. Listen, thanks again for being with us today at Kingsland Online.